RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines, the appeals court restores the small house policy in full, again allowing male indigenous villagers to make land swaps and get government land grants to build houses in the new territories. The Hung Cook welcomes the ruling and calls for further relaxations in the policy. And the government proposes adding five more statutory holidays by 2030, starting with Buddha's birthday next year. The Court of Appeal has restored the full rights of male indigenous villagers to build their own homes as it overturned a lower court's ruling that narrowed the small house policy. The ruling means villagers can again buy land from the government to build their houses or make land swaps to do so. Maggie Ho reports. The High Court had in 2019 ruled that while male adult villagers have the constitutional right to build three-story houses on private land, they can only do so if they already own suitable plots of land. It had previously been a common practice for villagers who don't have the appropriate land to either purchase plots from the government at a concessionary premium or make land swaps with the administration to enable them to build. Both of these practices were ruled unconstitutional, with the judge saying such practices are not covered by Article 40 of the Basic Law, which guarantees that lawful traditional rights and interests of the indigenous inhabitants of the new territories should be protected. But now a three-judge panel at the Court of Appeal has overturned this ruling, saying the trial judge had not considered the Basic Law article in the proper context. They said it is beyond doubt that the so-called Ding rights, or the rights to male villagers to build homes, were regarded as lawful and traditional, even during the drafting stage of the Basic Law, despite debates about their discriminatory nature. The Hung Yi Cook has welcomed the Court of Appeal ruling. The Rural Bodies Chairman, Kenneth Lau, says the government should now resume processing applications from villagers to build houses through private treaties and land exchange agreements as soon as possible. Jimmy Choi reports. Kenneth Lau says resuming the land grants and land swapping arrangements would help keep rural communities and the new territories harmonious and stable. He said it used to take three to eight years to build a small house, and he even knew of a case where a man waited so long that he had died before his application was approved. The rural leader says it's now time for the government to relax the rules for building the ding houses, saying he thinks it's suitable to increase the density by three to five times, and houses should be allowed to be taller than the three-storey limit. Mr Lau questioned whether land near the border could be used to build such houses. Meanwhile, the Development Bureau said the government welcomed the ruling. A spokesman said the government will study the court judgment and then resume handling villagers' applications to build houses via the private treaty grant or land exchange agreements. The CEO of Designing Hong Kong, Paul Zimmerman, says in the wake of their legal victory, the Hung Yi Cook may now try to circumvent other legal restrictions on where indigenous male villagers can build these ding houses. Through zoning, you control which land can be used and which land cannot be used for building small houses um, and whether the country park ordinance applies in terms of the control of the AFCD, uh, the Country Marine Parks Board and the Country Parks Authority over uh, the building of houses on private land in the country parks. I mean, the, the, there's a possibility that the Hung Yukuk will take this opportunity to start challenging uh, those established mechanisms to control development. Would they find a way to breach uh, into either of them, then the implications could be dire. 
The government has laid out a nine-year plan to increase the number of statutory holidays from 12 to 17, starting with the addition of Buddha's birthday next year. But workers' representatives in the Labour Advisory Board immediately slammed the plan as being far too slow, saying the entire process should instead be shortened to a three-year span. Cecil Wong has more. The authorities are proposing to add one additional holiday every two years. Following Buddha's birthday next year, which usually falls in May, the government is looking to designate the first weekday after Christmas Day in 2024 as a statutory holiday, followed by Easter Monday, Good Friday, and the day after Good Friday in two-year increments. That means the process, if approved by LegCo, would end in 2030. The initiative is aimed at equalizing the number of statutory holidays that all workers are entitled to with bank holidays that most white-collar workers have off. In papers submitted to the Legislative Council, the government said the change would benefit around 1.2 million workers, representing around 40% of the workforce. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Local medical experts say more data is needed to assess the efficacy of the coronavirus vaccine made by the mainland company Sinovac, after Brazilian authorities said the jabs were found to be 50% effective during late-stage trials in the country. Vicky Wong reports. The infectious diseases specialist Joseph Tsung from the Hong Kong Medical Association says the data out of Brazil was preliminary and incomplete and should be interpreted carefully. He says he hopes to see more data collected from other countries rather than just Brazil. A specialist in respiratory medicine, Dr. Leung Chi Chiu, says the figures available currently cannot be used to make an apples-to-apples -apples comparison between coronavirus vaccines produced by different companies. He says there are multiple levels of efficacy for all infections, for symptomatic infections and against serious infections. All these have different meanings and we need to look at the full data set before we can have a better guess of the actual situation and compare the efficacy between different vaccines. It is expected that Hong Kong people will start receiving coronavirus vaccinations in mid-February, with jabs produced by Sinovac being the first to arrive in the city. The Secretary for the Civil Service, Patrick Nip, meanwhile, says an expert panel appointed by the government would meet this week and review relevant clinical data. Health Secretary Sophia Chan told lawmakers the government is asking for more information from Sinovac. The government says it has no plans to impose a lockdown on foreign domestic helpers, as suggested by pro-government lawmaker Elizabeth Quatt. The DAB legislator wanted the government to consider the idea to stop helpers from gathering in public places on their days off and complained very few have been prosecuted for breaking anti-epidemic social distancing rules. Labour Secretary Law Chi Kwong said the suggestion could amount to discrimination. He spoke through an interpreter. The infection rate of FTH is 0.055%, which is lower than the 0.1% for the general public. So there's no good reason for that. And if you talk about lockdown, you're making people stay at home. But then for FTH, they are made to stay at the workplace, and so it does not make sense. Health officials suspect tightly packed pipes may have contributed to the spread of COVID-19 at an old tenement block in Jordan. More than two dozen people linked to the block on Reclamation Street have been confirmed with the virus so far. Dr. Chuang Chuk Kwan from the Centre for Health Protection says they've taken steps to prevent the further spread of the virus. Because of the number of cases in the Reclamation Street, the 20th to 26 double-digit units, we have put all these units under compulsory testing notice. And also we have quarantined residents who share the same threat with those confirmed cases. 
Hong Kong recorded 42 new COVID-19 infections today, all of which were locally acquired, 11 via unknown sources. There were also 20 preliminary positive cases, one of which is a nurse at the disinfection unit of Pok Oi Hospital. One of the two teenagers handed back to Hong Kong last month after being caught crossing into mainland waters last year will remain behind bars here as he awaits trial. Prosecutors are considering laying more charges against Huang Lam Fok, as Violet Wong reports. 17-year-old Huang Lam Fok appeared before Kowloon City Court as soon as he completed two weeks in quarantine after being brought back to Hong Kong from Shenzhen last month. He was charged with arson and possession of dangerous weapons for allegedly throwing a petrol bomb at Mongkok police station during an anti-government protest in 2019. Mr Huang was taken back into custody as Principal Magistrate Ada Yim adjourned the case to February the 26th for the prosecution to seek legal advice on possibly laying more charges against him. Prosecutors said they may charge him with absconding and conspiring to assist other criminals. The defendant, along with 18-year-old Liu Ziman, were the only two among the 12 detainees who were returned to the SAR after being held in custody in Shenzhen for four months. Mainland prosecutors said because they were minors, they were not charged. The other 10 were sentenced to between seven months and three years imprisonment by a Shenzhen court last month for entering mainland waters illegally. A mainland lawyer hired by family members of the 12 Hong Kongers was forcibly dragged into a hearing earlier today to decide whether he should be stripped of his licence. Lu Suwei is accused by Sichuan authorities of repeatedly making inappropriate remarks on the internet, seriously damaging the image of the legal sector and having an adverse impact on society. Vicky Wong reports. As Lu Suwei and his two legal representatives arrived at the Chengdu Justice Bureau in the morning, they were surrounded by around a dozen people who then dragged the lawyer into the venue. Others, including a number of human rights lawyers and supporters who wanted to attend the hearing, were taken away by police. Mr Lu had complained a day earlier that he was being harassed by officials, saying two cars suddenly drove up and blocked his way when he was about to leave home. Beside him, another mainland lawyer who was hired to represent the 12 Hong Kong detainees, Ren Chuan Niu, is to face a similar hearing tomorrow. The families of the 12 Hong Kongers have condemned what they said was clear oppression by the mainland authorities, alleging that the action against the lawyers is retribution for their attempted involvement in the detainees' case. The Hong Kongers were never represented by these lawyers and were instead assigned lawyers by the mainland authorities. In December, 10 of the 12 were jailed for between seven months and three years for illegally crossing into mainland waters during an apparent bid to flee to Taiwan. The youngest two members of the group were brought back to Hong Kong. The police have denied a media report saying they'd sent the electronic devices of those arrested to the mainland for data extraction. The Washington Post reported that the police had begun sending devices seized from arrested people across the border, where authorities with sophisticated data extraction technology were using the information from the devices to assist in investigations. In a statement, the force stressed that it did not send arrestees' mobile phones or any of their electronic devices to the mainland. A district court judge says he ordered people wearing yellow masks out of his courtroom, not because of the colour of the masks, but because they had a political slogan on them. Damon Pang reports. Judge Ernest Lin caused a stir earlier this week when he told three people, one of them a defence lawyer, to leave the courtroom during a hearing related to the 2019 protests. One of those sent out told reporters that the masks have the letters FDNOL on them, which may refer to a popular anti-government protest slogan that the authorities have suggested is illegal. 
the judge said the court should not be a place to express political views, so he asked those wearing them to change or watch the hearing live from another room. He said the court won't consider people's political stance, and they would be treated the same regardless of what colour masks they wore. Pro-government lawmakers are mulling changes to LegCo rules to introduce tougher penalties and salary cuts for legislators who cause disruption at future meetings. The Committee on Rules of Procedures has agreed to set up a penalty card system with punishments also including temporary bans from meetings. Such rules will apply for meetings of LegCo's full council, House Committee and Finance Committee. Lawmakers are to be consulted about the proposal and there's no timetable for its rollout yet. Business and Professionals Alliance lawmaker Priscilla Leung, who made this suggestion, says the proposal is more of a deterrent than just evicting lawmakers from meetings. The best way to deal with this kind of disputes is by in-house rules. If we can provide different degrees and levels of penalties at the Legislative Council in the Rules of Procedures, it might reduce the number of the necessity to report to the police, to ask for their help to adjudicate or to help to enforce several misbehaviors. Police in Thailand's capital are searching for the maker of a lethal street drug that killed at least seven people at the weekend. The BBC's Celia Hatton has the details. The drug is being sold by small-scale dealers in Bangkok under the relatively innocent name K-powdered milk. However, a lab analysis showed it's actually a deadly combination of ketamine, heroin, ecstasy and a sleeping chemical. Several dealers who've been arrested say they bought the drug from a 20-year-old on Facebook. The authorities say the drug cocktail is thought to have immediately killed six of the seven known victims, and 11 more have had emergency medical treatment. Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives have begun the debate that could lead to President Trump being impeached over last week's deadly attack on Congress. It was carried out by his supporters, who the Democrats say he incited. A number of senior Republicans have said they will support the impeachment. The BBC's Gary O'Donoghue says the impeachment will go ahead. This will happen, barring something extraordinary between now and then. The president will be impeached by the House of Representatives, with Liz Cheney, one of the members of the leadership in the House, she giving her signal that she's going to vote for impeachment, may bring a lot of other Republicans along with her. And that will make it an incredibly important vote for the Democrats, because that makes it, to some extent, bipartisan. And that's what they lacked last time around with the impeachment vote over the Ukraine court. This time, the Republicans, or some of them at least, have had enough. A reminder of our top stories tonight. The Appeals Court restores the small house policy in full, again allowing male Indigenous villagers to make land swaps and get government land grants to build houses in the new territories. The Hung Cook welcomes the ruling and calls for further relaxations in the policy. And the government proposes adding five more statutory holidays by 2030, starting with Buddha's birthday next year. The news from RTHK. In our newsroom, thanks to Todd Harding. Back with more news at midnight.
Into this hour with uh, something from uh, 1967. Another one of those big Motown Holland, Dozier Holland creations. Uh, it's uh, Jimmy Mack, uh, Martha and the Vandellas. There's gotta be a little rain sometimes When you take, you gotta give So live, let live, let go Whoa, 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 I beg your pardon I never promised you a rose garden I could promise you things like There's gotta be a little rain sometimes 